Well, good morning, everyone. You're tuned to Community Radio 3CR, 855 on the AM band. And, of course, the time is 7.30 and time for the 3CR Gardening Show. My name's Pam Vardy. First up, I have to say a very good morning to Gwen and Roger Elliott. Good morning, you two. Hi, good morning, Pam. everyone. And everybody out there. Oh, it's a lovely morning down this part of the world. The sun was, was just really mm. lighting up the horizon when That's I was right. driving down. It was wonderful. All the balloons were in full sunlight. Yes, absolutely. Mm. <laughs> I bet it was cold up there, though. <laughs> I hope they're rugged up. Yeah. And it looks like spring has sprung in the studio here. We've got flowers from one end of the studio to the other. It's unbelievable. So we're going to uh, have to have a bit of a discussion about some of uh, what Gwen and Roger brought in. And we've also got to say a very good morning to Graham. Uh, from Silky's Rose Farm in Clombenane. Good morning, yes, Graham good, Sergeant. Good morning, um, Pam, and good morning, uh, Roger and, and Gwen. It's listeners, you've got no idea what these flowers are like in this studio. In here. <laughs> I feel really outcompeted with with, with, with what what they've been able to do you've with got all a couple these of roses. roses there, Graham. Not at all. I haven't got flowers on the roses. <laughs> oh. well, you've just, I, I know there's a few flowers on roses. Yes, it's, on it's been a funny year carpet, that way, isn't it? Yeah, flower carpet things. No, it's been it's been a, a funny season because it got so warm so quickly. Yes. In fact, I heard on the radio yesterday there's a, there's a warning out the snakes have already stirred and they're, mm. they're out and about. So, um, yeah, that's right. Yes. They were interviewing a snake catcher yesterday, I think. That's on, right. A, a snake s- relocator. Oh, a snake mm. relocator. Yes. yes. <laughs> on, on 774, I think I heard. Yeah. That's right. That's mm. right. But they're only allowed to relocate them within five kilometres. So. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Can't take them out of the area. Yep. So it's the same with possums. You're not supposed to take them. Out of their area. Mm. Yep. Yeah, otherwise there'll be territorial fights and all sorts of yeah, things. They come back. They I'm come sure back. They, they do. They mm. do. Particularly if there's nice rosebuds around, Graham. <laughs> yes, yeah, yes, they delight. They love their rosebuds. I, I hear a lady that's been doing some trials with chimes, and she, she claims that the chimes will keep the possums away from her roses, which is rather interesting, isn't it? You know, there's a, a lot of those chimes yeah, you can yeah, get wind in there. Yeah, yeah, wind chimes. Yeah, wind chimes, yeah. We were told that... Um, Golf balls in the garden would keep the blackbirds from digging in our garden, and mm. so, no. we, yeah. Well, it hasn't worked at our place, but there think, you go. I think, like most of these <clears throat> deterrents, the possums seem to work it out after a couple of weeks and think, "Oh, that's still going. You know, it hasn't moved. It's no threat." And then yeah. back they come. <laughs> I think you'd have to constantly move the chimes to different parts of the garden to have any success. I mean, they found that I've, I've I'd tried things like the hanging CDs in mm. trees. Mm. And, didn't do anything. No, no. <laughs> well, the, the the interesting part of of our place was when we had two, two female dingoes, they would get possums down out of the trees, and how they did it, I I believed that they would actually hypnotise them. Mm-hmm. What? I used, to, I used to watch the dingoes, and yes. they would get up on the log, and you'd see them look up, and 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 then they they they'd move along the log, and then they'd come to another place, and then they go come back up again, and then a couple of days later, you'd find a possum in in the pen. They get them. Goodness They're amazing. Way. Nature at play, that's just what happens. Yeah. 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 Hmm. No, well, our son, he's working on a secret thing. He won't even tell us for uh, for possum, con- you know. Control? Deter- de- no, not control, deterrent. Deterrent, okay. Because he's down, he lives on, when, when he's around it real, and his fruit trees just get battered. Cause oh, he's, right. He's not hmm. there for a long time, so his apple tree and apricot tree, virtually no leaves at all on them, you know. Yeah. So. Yep. 
but he's got lights set up and a whole range of things. <laughs> I really think just building a frame and yeah, netting is the I, only yeah. answer. I think you're right. Yeah, you're and right. that way it doesn't matter if he's gone away. It's, no, no, no. Yeah. Oh, well, he'll learn. <laughs> <laughs> we've, got to, we've got to try and find some species natives, Roger, that, that they're particularly attracted to and, yeah. and plant so them out in the garden. they eat them first, yeah. Yeah, wow. yeah. And then have a constant feed. Like. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's into, when we were living in Heathmont there is we had some a local stringy bark there and it was interesting. They used to work on one. These were mainly uh, ringtails. Hmm. They would work on one tree and not quite defoliate it. Okay. And then they'd go to another tree, mm-hmm. work on that for a while, mm-hmm. and then they'd go to another and another and then they would come back to the first one that they'd worked on. Yes. Uh, which had refurbished with its foliage, mm. but they just used to mm. uh, go around and mm. uh, quite systematic. Mm. Mm. Okay. And we all learned from each other. A mm. lady told me at one stage that in her garden, the possums were not touching the plants that were um, sort of surrounded by some prostanthra mint bushes. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, she was building a, a hedge of mint bush around her veggie garden in mm. the hope of keeping the, the possums out. Why mm. the mint bush, Gwen? Well, the mint bushes have got a, a fragrant, aromatic foliage. Some are very strong. Yeah, yeah and mm. um, the possums did not like okay. um, that particular fragrance and so they went somewhere else. Mm. Don't know. Well, it's interesting, even with the number of kangaroos you see at the side of the road, and and the CSIRO have been doing some work on the fact that kangaroos will come over the fence, away from the grazing country, and they will graze along the edge of the road, yeah. and of course, eventually you'll you'll get a number that'll get hit with yeah. cars, but the animals in the paddock, as you talk to graziers and farmers, you know they'll say, "Oh, look, we've got a great green pick now," and the kangaroo is obviously looking at the green pick over the other side of the fence because the sheep and the cattle can't get at it. Mm. Now, that, there's something, I, I believe, there's something in that that attracts the kangaroos to the, to the side of the road rather than stay in the paddocks. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. of course, that's getting the runoff from yeah, the, but, from the yeah, road. Yeah, mm. with the rain. Which yeah. is why you're getting such lush growth. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Mm. And I don't know, I mean, there's, there's no way to, to overcome that. They're... There's mm. just, unfortunately, there's just mm. going to be roadkill from Maybe time they to like time. the flowers. If you go to the Cranbourne Botanic Gardens, in mm. the car park, there are grevilleas in flower. Yeah, the wallabies. Don't I have there. got, I know wallabies. Well, I was, I was getting there. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I've got several photos of the wallaby in the, or wallabies, I'm not quite sure how mm. many, but I know there's quite a number on site in the car park eating the grevillea flowers. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. maybe it's the flowers on the side of the road mm. <laughs> with mm. aunt in mm. the paddock. Mm. Any research, we'd love to hear it. <laughs> well, we get the same sort of thing that happens with the fowls and uh, I've got bantams now that are really starting to lay and I can't keep the green feed up to them. Mm-hmm. Really, I, you know, I use silver beet, kale... Uh, a whole lot of weeds, oh, and they that's were quality. They're on, a, they're on a very oh. healthy diet. Oh. My goodness! And there are times when they they will eat capeweed, and now that amazes me. Mm. And then as the capeweed gets into into the season, they just won't touch it, but they'll eat it at a very early yeah. stage. Really? Yeah. Mm. yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Uh, now, because it's springtime, of course, that also means we've got a glut of, of things happening out there, um, particularly a lot of the um, the garden shows are all uh, setting up and gearing up for the springtime, so we will get to a few community announcements next. 
Um, firstly, a reminder, if uh, people are wanting to go out for a drive today, um, Munro Court out in Castlemaine is open today. It was open yesterday, but it's open again today, uh, 10 a.m. through to 4.30. Now, this is um, a development uh, community of about eight sustainably designed houses in a water-wise garden uh, which sits around a small court. Now, the gardens link the houses together. There are no fences. Um, instead, privacy is uh, provided through courtyards and well-placed windows, walls and tall shrubs. Now, all of this was designed by Sam Cox um, and landscaped using large granite rocks, mulched planting mounds, water-permeable gravel paths, etc. And uh, they also have a vegetable garden, an orchard, a compost heap, a hen house, which are all uh, community-maintained and the produce is shared. Now, this project is, as I say, open to the public today, 10 o'clock through till 4.30. Entry price is $10. Children under 18 are free. And uh, today as well, at 2 o'clock, there will be a talk um, giving a brief outline and history of the project since its inception and also there'll be a Q&A session with some of the residents there. So, uh, as I say, Munro Court in Castlemaine, if you feel like going for a drive into the country and having a look at that one. Now, uh, I must remind you, we had uh, Will um, from uh, Hancock's Daffodils on the show last week. And, of course, Hancock's uh, Daffodils, uh, their farm is open to the public, running right through until the end of September. Uh, it's open uh, 10 till 4 o'clock on weekends, 11 till 4 o'clock on weekdays. Admission is free for this one. If you want to go and see some, uh, just uh, a myriad of flowering daffodils of all sorts of different varieties uh, and shades and colours, um, totally amazing. So uh, the address is 2 Jackson's Hill Road in Menzies Creek there. Uh, and uh, if you'd like uh, their phone number, 97543328. Now, also uh, a reminder that another open garden, and Gwen, you said you went out to this yesterday. Yeah. This is um, a garden that's been opened, uh, proceeds going to Oxfam. It's a sustainable garden. It's in Heathmont. The address is 65A Dickerson's Road in Heathmont there. Um, the garden, it's an Australian garden. It features remnant bush, also includes other indigenous plants as well as native plants to attract wildlife and promote a state sustainability. There are a few exotic plants for sentimental reasons. There's a raised vegetable garden and a herb garden. Admission for this one is $6. Children under 18 are free and students $4. There's also refreshments available. No pets though, please. And as I mentioned all proceeds to Oxfam. How did you find the garden, Gwen? It was great. Yeah, a lot of people there, a lot of plants in it, very inspiring. Um, as uh, you said, Pam, there are native plants and non-native plants and veggie gardens, good, but they've got... Very the... proficient veggie garden. Actually. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah re- really yeah. good. And yeah. um, one, one of the great things, I think, if people have got having to deal with shade, it's an ideal place to go and see what plants you can use okay. in shady situations. In dry shade too, not yeah, more sometimes shade. Dry, yeah, sometimes yes. dry shade. You know, so that, that was one of the, the, the good things, I think, just to see how she, or mainly, mainly Pam, Jim, 
says, don't ask me. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, just how you can do your, what you can do. Okay. In shady situations. Excellent. And there's a few signs around the, the garden oh, yeah. explaining particular things like uh, the bee attracting plants, um, the frog pond. Uh, lizard lounge. Lizard lounge, you know, the sort of um, laminated. And butterfly, I'm trying to Butterfly, not the bed, term. I no. forget what the yes. term was, yes, yeah, but yeah. you know. So it's, it's well worth a visit. Okay. Yeah, nice. Excellent. Good. All right, also uh, <clears throat> on today down at Geelong Botanic Gardens is the next Discovery Walk run by the Friends Group. Now, this starts at 2 o'clock. You meet the guide at the front steps. Um, entry is by gold coin donation. And they're looking at uh, the Camellia Walk and other Chinese wonders on this walk today. So uh, that, uh, that would be another very interesting one. And, of course, our tea comes from... Uh, a member of the Camellia family. So um, I'm sure they'll mention that on their stroll through the garden today. Uh, f- number for the Friends Group, 5222-6053. Now, another one that's on today is the Maribyrnong Orchid Society Spring Show. The address is the Maribyrnong Community Centre, Randall Street in Maribyrnong. It's open 9am through to 4pm. Entry cost is $5 for that one. Now, uh, a few that are coming up. This next one is next Wednesday, which is the 14th of September. Gosh, the year's going. Uh, this is uh, a talk being given by uh, for Friends of Burnley Gardens. And Peter Dyer is going to be talking about Burnley bees and backyard honey. Um, they do have a beehive at Burnley. And Peter's going to be talking all about uh, developing an innovative apiary service um, for local city dwellers and uh, with skills, equipment necessary to host beehives and get uh, pure honey from your own backyard. So, uh, And as a bonus, there'll be uh, Burnley Honey on sale. So next Wednesday, 14th of September, it's at uh, the Burnley campus, 500 Yarra Boulevard there in Richmond. Time is 7 o'clock for drinks and nibbles and uh, 7.30 for the talk. Cost is $5 for members, $15 for visitors. Um, If you'd like some inquiries, you can email friends.burnley at gmail.com or you can telephone 9035-6815. Now, just a reminder that next weekend is the big Garden Lovers Fair up at Bollebeck which is at 370 Mount Macedon Road in Macedon. Entry, fair and garden is $10. Children are free. And uh, this is a wonderful opportunity to meet the growers and select from an amazing range of plant and garden treasures. Uh, Now, there'll be no admittance to the visitor car park until 9.30 on both uh, Saturday and Sunday. No dogs allowed. Um, there'll be 35 to 40 quality stall holders there with an amazing range of all sorts of plant treasures. There'll be a range of uh, gardening books. There'll be specialist and artisan garden tools, um, outdoor teak furniture, outdoor power equipment. There'll be a plant crèche service and guest, feature, guest speakers and garden celebrities Children's activities, good food and wine and coffee, gosh, what more do you need? And, of course, uh, the magnificent Bollebeck Garden uh, will be open for you to have a wander around and um, 
Bollebeck um, is uh, listed on the Victorian Heritage Register and is noted for its magnificent garden. So that's all happening next weekend up at Bollebeck, 10 till 4 o'clock both days, 370 Mount Macedon Road in Macedon. Now, <clears throat> next weekend, our uh, <clears throat> good friends at Open Gardens Victoria have got two more open gardens opening up for uh, next weekend. Uh, the first one is the Stoke Garden, and uh, <clears throat> this one is at 150 Warrandyte Road in North Ringwood. Now, this is a rambling old garden with great charm. It was planted by a couple who loved native plants but who also grew an eclectic mix of plants, often from friends' cuttings. Uh, the owner has lived there for many years and she calls it As I Feel Garden. Uh, now, it's a private, protected garden haven. As I say, that's next weekend, 10 to 4.30 both days. Entry price is $8. Children under 18 are free. And uh, next door which is actually uh, the owner of Stokes Garden's daughter, is Woodlands Garden. Now, this is also opening uh, next weekend as well. Again, 10 to 4.30. Again, an entry price of $8 with children under 18 free. However, if you'd like to visit both gardens because they're next to each other, 150 and 152 Warrandyte Road, North Ringwood, um, there is a joint ticket price of $12 to see both gardens. Now, um, Woodlands is um, a completely different style of garden. It's a half-acre garden with wonderful foliage and structure. Tall trees form the backbone of it. Um, and uh, there's also a small area of citrus, raised vegetable beds, a large central lawn. So, as I say, both of those are open next weekend. Now, we have one free double pass to the Stoke Garden and another free double pass to the Woodlands Garden. So one for Stoke, one for Woodlands. If you'd like to give Jenny a call on 94190155 now, um, she can. Uh, the first two callers who ring in can have one double pass to Stoke and the other double pass will go to the second listener to ring in for the Woodlands Garden. That number to ring is 9419. 9419- Zero one double five, and those double passes will be posted out to you nine four one nine zero one double five. Okay, also a few more I must get to because uh, they are coming up very soon. Uh, Plant Trust have got their Plant Lovers and Collectors Big Night Out on Thursday, the twenty second of September. Uh, now this is the big the big auction. Um, which uh, Stephen Ryan is chief auctioneer and he's made quite a name for himself as an auctioneer. It's um, loads and loads of fun and, of course, it's raising um, excellent funds for Plant Trust. Now, it's as I mentioned, Thursday the 22nd of September, it's taking place at Domain House, which is in Dallas Brooks Drive there in South Yarra. Uh, the program, it starts at 6.30 for wine and cheese and viewing of the plants. 7.30 if there's an annual general meeting, which won't go for very long at all. I know that they will um, try and speed that through. And then 8 o'clock is the plant auction. Now, um, members and, and non-members of Plant Trust are more than welcome. Free admission for that one. There's also going to be some great raffle prizes as well. 
And as I say, it's a great fun night and the opportunity to buy a variety of rare and unusual plants um, and also win some of those raffle prizes. Pam, I think all those tickets might have gone. I can see red lights flashing furiously now and some okay. people are still trying. So. Okay. All right, that's <laughs> fine. <laughs> they usually are very popular. Um, I must get to a few more. I'm sorry, but this is springtime and this is what happens. I've got three more that I really must mention. Firstly, Friends of Burnley coming up have got uh, a creative workshop. This is all about terrariums with Sasha Andrusiak. Uh, now, um, it's being held on Saturday the 8th of October, so it is a little way ahead, but it's something to put in the diary. It's being held at Burnley College, 10am through to 1pm. The cost is $65 for uh, members of Friends of Burnley Gardens, $85 for non-members. It includes a terrarium and plants and morning tea. Now, obviously, bookings are essential for this one. You need to telephone 9035-6815. That's 9035-6815 or email friends.burnley at gmail.com. You need to bring clean, sharp secateurs and wear closed shoes and uh, payment details will be given to you as well with that booking. And just a couple more to mention. Again, um, uh, this one is coming up uh, Saturday the 24th of September and this is the Melbourne Clivia Group. They've got a Clivia Expo. It's only taking place on the one day, Saturday 24th of September, 10 o'clock through till 4 o'clock. They're going to have displays of new forms and colours of Clivia, quality plants and seedlings for sale, demonstrations on how to sow and grow from seed, Entry is a gold coin admission. Uh, they've got a new venue this year, so you need to note this one. It's at St Scholastica's Community Centre. The address is 348 Burwood Highway in Bennettswood. That's between Station Street and Middleborough Road. There's plenty of parking off Starling Street. Um, if you'd like more information on that one, you can phone 0488 327. That's 0488 So that's Saturday, 24th of September, 10 a.m. through to 4 p.m. And uh, Graham, you've got one there to mention as well. Uh, yes, Pam, I've got a, um, uh, information here regarding the Yay Garden Expo, and that's being held on the 24th and the 25th of September, and it's been organised by the Yay Rotary Club. And it's actually at the Yay Racecourse, um, of course, only about an hour from Melbourne. And um, there is food on site and entry is $5 and children are free. And there's going to be uh, face painting and a lot of activities for children as well. And um, there's going to be deciduous and ornamental trees on display, along with a whole lot of a range of all gardening products. Um, I, let me say from my own experience, if you um, want to eat well, the Yay Main Street has got some fantastic um, restaurants and cafes as okay. well. Excellent. And you're going to be out there with some yes, roses? Yes, I'll be out there with some roses, yes, at the Yay Race Course. Wonderful. Yeah. Okay, yeah. excellent. All right, it's high time we <coughs> invited our listeners to uh, call in. If you have a gardening question this morning, we'd love to hear from you. 
That number is 94190155. That's 94190155. Roger, it's high time we talk kangaroo paws because you've got the most amazing happenings taking place down at Cranbourne later this year. Yeah, look, later this year, it's November, which will come very, very it's quickly. It's not that far away. <laughs> but, um, yeah, there's a whole whole month of having a kangaroo paw celebration at the gardens at Cranbourne. And uh, various things are happening. There's going to be exhibitions of art and other things happening over the month. And then on the 19th and 20th of November, Saturday and Sunday, there's going to be a kangaroo paw picnic which will be a whole range of things happening there too. Um, and lots of things for kids as well as parents. Good. And uh, there'll be launching of a, a new kangaroo paw bred by Angus Stewart, uh, Annie Gazanthus Landscape Violet. And uh, so that'll be, be launched on the Saturday. And, uh, yeah, no, look, there'll be lots of things happening uh, on, on that weekend. And then over the 24th to the 26th of November... There's a special symposium, three-day symposium being held on kangaroo paws and their other members in the family, the, the blood brute family, which is called Hemoderaceae, great big long word. But um, So there's, there's lots of different plants in that. But that on the Thursday, the 24th, will be mainly for, the, for people interested in the science sort of things. Um, botany, um, also... Zoology, as far as you know, just the, the the role of birds in pollinating these things and, okay. and other things pollinating. So there's that aspect too, and um, recovering things like kangaroo paws, anigazanthus, and think a group called Conostylus, which probably people don't know. They that, wouldn't be familiar that, with that. That well, but there, there's a tremendous range in Conostylus. There's about forty odd different species, and they vary from little tiny clumping plants which they have the flowers right at the base. Mm-hmm. And I'm just holding up one here called Conostylus juncia, where the flowers are just right at the base. Right. And, you, and you, juncia means it's rush-like, so the leaves yes. are rush-like. But that's, you know, the plants grow across to about, about uh, four, 30, 40 centimetres across, um, green and yellow flowers. Uh, so there's a whole range. Another one called Conostylus aurea which has these heads on stems about 30 centimetres long. Gee, they're spectacular. And there's Bright probably... yellow. Mm. Yeah, aurea meaning <laughs> gold. I don't know whether it's a true gold colour, but that doesn't matter. But it's a nice yellow, and uh, there's probably about 50 little flowers in the head. The flowers are about a centimetre across, little slightly tubular flowers, and they open out. But they, they, they flower for, for a long time. And there's one here which I picked two weeks ago, Two inside, weeks ago, and goodness. It's still, it's still fine. It's still so good. like kangaroo paws, which are good as cut flower, yep. a lot of the conostylus with stems um, are quite good cut flower okay. too. Now, um, I'm assuming they're related, Roger. Yes, they are. We should spell that out. Yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> yes. there's a much bigger family than just the kangaroo paws. Well, that's right. In, in this, this group, main, most members of this Hemoderaceae family are Australian, but mm-hmm. they occur in... Uh, other parts of you know South Africa and even Americas, um, so but the main ones in Australia. So you've got Anigazanthus, the kangaroo paws, Conostylus, and then you have things called uh, Hemodorums, which are the blood roots. And uh, one good thing, 
well, the exciting thing about blood roots, they're finding that maybe some of the chemicals within the, the roots of haemodorms could be very useful for medical purposes. And there's is that why the name blood root? Yeah, yeah. No, the, the colour of the, the sap yeah, in the, the colour when you cut too, the, you know. Mm. Yeah, it's quite. They're reddish. Okay. When you cut, mm. but often these names do relate mm. back to some medicinal yeah. property, don't yeah, they? Yeah. Yeah. So it's um. Yeah. But anyway, that's that's just fairly recent research, but that's okay. Pretty exciting. As yes. Far as maybe some of the properties of. Yes. Yeah. I think one of the exciting things is we've got we started off having Angus Stewart coming to this, and now we've got a range of maybe fourteen or more speakers, and some of the the world top authorities are coming. We've got one lady coming over to just come to the conferences, not as a speaker, as a participant from California from Huntington Botanic Gardens. Gosh, she just I'm coming, you know, <laughs> and um, and we've got people from New South Wales, Western Australia, also I'm coming. Mm-hmm. Um, about five coming from Western Australia. I mean, it's their kangaroo paws, and mm. they are just so, um, I won't say envious, but so thrilled that we've got such a lineup of people coming to this festival. So it's really going to be a, a not to be missed thing. Yeah, it's bigger Perhaps than being We should heard. give a phone, mm-hmm. call, a phone number, Rog, where people can get further information. Yeah, look, fine. Um, there's a lady. Chloe Foster, who's who in, I think we might know, who's, who's involved with 3CR. But uh, if you're wanting some booking inquiries, you can contact Chloe on nine seven two five three five six nine. So, yeah. So the first day will be science, botany, and things like that. The second day we'll be looking at um, more, I suppose, focusing on the cultivation. Um, also landscape design, diseases and things like that. So mm-hmm. people who are involved in uh, growing, also nurseries. Right. So, you know, landscape designers, uh, people, gardens, parks and gardens people. So that's uh, be concentrating that day. I should have mentioned the first day of the Science Day will be held at the Melbourne Gardens at Domain House, um, just opposite the, one of the main entrances of the, the gardens. And the next two days will be at Cranbourne. And uh, there'll be quite a lot of, uh, on that second day, on breeding too. So if people are interested in breeding. And I just happened to come across a a chap last week at a plant sale who's been doing a bit of breeding in Conestylis. And I told him, oh, yeah, I'm coming. You know, so. um, And then the third day, on the Saturday, the 26th, is for people like us. You home, gardeners. home gardeners, home gardeners, and enthusiasts, and uh, that that'll be held at, at Cranbourne. But if people are wanting information, have a have a chat to Chloe on that number we just gave you. I'll repeat it: it's nine seven two five three five six nine. Now there is an email address there, I see too, Roger. Yes, it is, and it's a great big long email addresses can get so long sometimes, can't it? That's right, that's a trouble. But yeah. I, this one's fairly straightforward, so I think people might remember it. Yeah, so it's symposium, S Y M P O S I U M at R B G Friends Cranbourne dot org dot AU. And that middle bit's all one word, is that's, it? That's yes. Right. Oh, well, yeah. that saves dots and dashes, doesn't yeah. it? Absolutely. Yeah. rbgfriendscranburn.org.au. Yeah, yeah. That's right. So yeah. not too hard to remember. No, no. 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 At no. least it makes sense, you yeah. know. It's not just yeah. a jumble of letters. Yes, absolutely. Hmm. Um, yeah, but but the speakers, Gwen, getting back oh, to the speakers, yeah. I mean, 
they, they include a lot of people that our 3CR listeners would be familiar with. Yes, they do. Yes, yes. John Arnott. Um, yeah, several people. Yep. Loretta Childs, I yes. think, has been yes. here. Yes, that's right. And, of so, course, Loretta's a landscape designer and uses yeah. kangaroo paws to great effect in mm. her mm. gardens. That's right. You're speaking, Roger. Don't yeah. underestimate yourself. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jim Fogarty yes. also, who yes. um, is very highly recommended landscape designer. Yeah. Um, he's won all sorts of... Uh, Medals at overseas shows, oh, oh. and of course, he uh, it was Jim who uh, designed the garden for um, the Australian Chelsea. Garden at mm. Chelsea. That's right. Yeah. Yep. So you know, and, and there's um, we've got um, Stephen Hopper. He's um, when he did his PhD was on kangaroo paw, and Stephen Hopper he was director of Kings Park Botanic Garden over in Perth, and then he went up being the first non-Brit to be director of Royal Botanic Gardens Kew. So in London. In yes. London. So Stephen's coming and we've got um, – there's also a chap, he's 82 years old, I think, Keith Oliver. Right. And he actually bred this kangaroo paw. Many, wow. many years ago. He yeah. said, you'll need a microphone because he's 82. But he, he contacted us and said, look, I'd like to come and, you know, I could speak at you. I think Angus knows him. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Okay. But, you know, uh, and people have been saying, look, I'd be happy to come and speak. We've got two PhD students from Western Australia coming. Uh, we've got Kingsley Dixon who did um, the initial work on uh, germination of seed, not just kangaroo paws, using smoke as a um, uh, to help promote seed germination. Yeah, he, he sorted out what was the, the compounds mm. in okay. smoke that actually yep. were the very important things for germination. Yes, excellent. So, and we've got Professor Michael Simpson. He's coming from uh, San Diego in California and he, he was one of the people to sort out just the relationships in this family in the early days. So, right. Uh, and, um, you know, there's chap Neil Marriott who's been growing these things for a long time. Digby Grounds, he's a plant breeder and he works at Kings Park. He's done a lot of work with a whole range of different plants. But uh, So he, he's coming. Angus Stewart is in, heavily involved. So, yeah, but I just held up this kangaroo paw. It's called Big Red. And it's aptly a, named, yeah, and it's a really good. It's one of the early, <coughs> early flowering kangaroo paws, and a burgundy colour. I would tend to call it, I think, um, and it, it's quite a vigorous grower. And, mm. so, uh, and of course, a lot of these things are bird pollinated. Not all. A lot of the conostylus are insect pollinated. Okay, but, but, but some are bird pollinated. There's a little one sitting up on the bench there, which started flowering probably in about March, and it's just starting to finish now. Called Conostylus beeliana, but it has long tubular flowers. There's not many Conostylus have those long tubular flowers, and it can be orangey yellow through to to pale yellow. Mm. A lot of variation in mm. the, in that group. And it also has the reedy yeah, leaves. Yeah, that's right. Yep. A clumpy thing. And they, a lot of the Conostylus are great container plants. This is a relatively new one here that's been released called Silver Sunrise. Lovely greyish foliage. And then it has the uh, the yellow flowers in clusters on the tops of stems, probably you know thirty, forty, fifty centimeters tall. Uh, Ro- so. Roger Angus's um, kangaroo paw. What colour is that? It's uh, mauve. It's mauve. He he's been selecting quite a f- and breeding quite a few so hardy, more reliable kangaroo paws because mm-hmm. a lot of the smaller kangaroo paws, which have been in the nursery trade for a while, they they re- they were mainly bred for uh, pot culture in Europe right. and other places. Um, so they they don't necessarily have a, a long life because mm. the parents they used 
for the breeding have spectacular flowers, but mm. even the parents are short-lived. Right. And, uh, you know, the West Australian kangaroo paw, the emblem, um, the red and the green, in, in nature that's not extremely long-lived. And right. uh, so he's been choosing Anigosanthus flavidus, which is a taller one, and these really do tolerate much wider range of conditions and they they perform well. So there's a whole range of different colours he's got. He's selected. They've been released over the last couple of years. Mm. So he's got this new violet one coming mm. up. Right. Yep. Excellent. If I could just add one little comment, although we've got some of the world top people here, I don't know the two PhD students from Western Australia, but lots of the other speakers I do know, they are ordinary guys and girls who, you know, are not up on a high pedestal and going to speak over everybody's head. I know. You know, Steve Hopper, we've stayed with him. He stayed at our place many years ago, perhaps 20 or more years ago. You know, you'll be able to chat to them about whatever you want and not feel you're a fool and they won't speak over over your head, so don't be scared by the fact that they're really very highly regarded people. Mm. It'll be lots of fun. Nine seven two five three five six nine. If you want further information, brilliant, brilliant. Okay, we're going to uh, Pam, who's out in Kindon, of course. Good morning, Pam. Oh, good morning, everybody. <coughs> it's a beautiful morning up here. Oh, I think it is down here too, Pam. Is it? Yes, That's good. Um, we've had a good week this week with our Daffodil Festival. It's You've been, been wonderful. busy, haven't you? You've had yes. your garden open as well. Yes. yes, and today I'm free. I'm free to go and look at everybody else's Oh, good. <laughs> um, Graham, I wanted to talk to Graham. Yep. Yes, Pam. About Ragosa roses, Graham. Yes. I put in a hedge of Ragosa roses on the outside of my fence. Yes. Um, thinking that they would be that I could make a hedge of them and that mm-hmm. they would be reasonably hardy up here. Mm-hmm. And when I got the plants, I didn't buy them. And a neighbour who's in the trade, she got them for me. And they are grafted plants, right? Yes. Now I'm having trouble with the dieback in them, and the dieback. A lot of the dieback is in the new wood, yes. which worries me a bit. Right. And I was wondering with rugosas, can they cope with a bit of wet feet? How hardy are they? And are they better off to be on their own rootstock than grafted? It would depend Sorry. on depend on the the, the variety of rugosa, so whether they the would algae. grow better on the on their own roots. Mm. And we've done some experimenting with growing them on their own own roots because we found that they were they were the Roses that survive through the fires, of course. Yes. Um, but, um, and I believe that wet feet could be a challenge, and I, I believe it would be better if you could grow them on on a row row raised bed. Right. So, so I mean, our soil here is, as you well know, is quite heavy. Yes. And is wet. We just had another fifty mils, and. Mm. Um, and I was, uh, and I, that was what I feared that it was the wet soil that mm. was actually having an effect on them because I've got another two in the same row that are back a bit further mm. and they're higher and mm. they are doing better. And mm. that's Pam, if you're able to do, do some trenching around that bed and just drain the water off, yes, because uh, weather forecasts are that we're going to get this rain for probably about another at least four weeks, it's going to be off and on. Soil here is yeah. just. Uh, you got that? Um, got that black clay? Yes. Yeah. Very and heavy. I mean, I did a lot of work to the soil before I put the roses in, and yes. I constantly 
<clears throat> keep compost and they get mulched and, you know, I'm always adding to the soil. But when you get this black pug, it is very hard mm. to add yeah. to. It would take 20 years, I think, before you really broke it up. Yes. Um, so, so if you're able to do a bit of trenching around the, around the bed, I, I believe that that would help them. Okay. And are they as hardy as what we think they are, as yeah. what I was led? Oh, yes, they really are. We get good reports from people, you know, growing them. But, of course, we've got an exceptional season this year. And, you know, I always say this is about one in 25 years in Australia with so much rain about. And certainly up, you know, in in the northern country, listening to Macca this morning, there's been been even shows that have been cancelled because of the rain. Yes. Um, And it's just an exceptional year. But never forget, this sort of rain is what we get to fill up our underground streams. We forget about that. And that's fantastic. Yeah. This dying off has been happening for the last few years, actually. Yeah. It, it's not something that's happening now. And mm. I just knew that there was something not quite right with them. But uh, mm. so, and the alba, the alba, just the mm. common white alba, yes. I would imagine that that would be better on its own rootstock. Um, well, <coughs> it, it, it would, uh, it's something that, that, um, is exceptional in terms of the weather that we're, that we're handling and your soil. And I think that's important. Um, so I'd get to and do some drainage for sure. And when you've got that dead wood, of course, you cut back into the green wood below it. Mm. And it doesn't normally spread that dieback. All oh, right. So I'm not cutting them back hard enough. Yeah, come back into the green wood. Gee, oh, that'll, that's about two-thirds of my plants gone. That's how bad they are. Yeah. All right. I oh. might think about starting off a little row of... Plants on their own rootstock. Yeah, give it a go. In between the others and see how they go. Yes. All right. Thank you, Graham. That's great. Bye. Bye. And uh, next up, we're going to Pat, who's down in Frankston. Good morning, Pat. Good morning. Good morning. Go ahead. Go ahead. Could I read a pot of Daphne now? Yeah, look, probably now's a good time. Um. New potting mix and cow manure? Yeah, that, that'll be fine. Just put That'll the, be fine? Yeah, put the cow manure just on top. Don't, oh, put, don't right. put it close to the stems. And do I have to put it in a much bigger pot or are the next size or something up? Oh, look, you could go two sizes up if you wanted to. Two. What, what size is, is it Oh, it's there? only a new plant. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, you've just bought the plant, have you? Or? Yes, yes. Oh, okay. Um, so you want to grow it in a pot? Yes. Okay. Yeah, look, I'd put it in a couple of sizes up. All right, then. Thank you. Okay. Now, another question. I've got a grafted origin mandarin tree on the one tree. Mm-hmm. Can I repot that now? It needs to be in a bigger pot. Yeah, no, look, that's fine. Just do the same? Yep. And have you got any uh, solution to a gall wasp? Uh, you just Chop them cut, off. Cut them <laughs> off, I'm afraid. <laughs> Cut them off. I cut. Well, it's killed a couple of small trees already. Has it? Yeah. yeah. Oh dear. You've really got to keep an eye on it and just mm. be there all the time. It's a nuisance, isn't it? It is. It can yes. be a problem. Yes. But if you're going to do that, you need to get to it now because they're going to yeah. take off and fly. Yeah. Usually they're. Oh uh, right. They're starting to fly fairly soon. They right? are. So mm. you really okay. need to do that, preferably today, if you can get out all there. All right. I'll do that. Lovely sunny day down here. Good okay. On good on you. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Bye. That number, if you'd uh, like to give us a call, 94190155. That's 94190155. You are listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. 
We're running through our usual time slot until uh, 9.15, so we've got another hour to run. In the studio this morning, we have Gwen and Roger Elliott talking all things Australian native plants, and we also have Graham Sargent from Silky's Rose Farm in Clombenane, and obviously talking roses, which, Roger, you've got... Oh, Roger. <laughs> Graham, you've got uh, a couple of roses there. Yes, Pam, I've got a very unusual rose, which is called origami. And those people that are out there in the, in the um, world of origami and Japanese things will understand what the origami um, rose is like. It's, it's very um, rippled in its petals. And this particular rose, which is bred by the famous breeding house of the Milan, the Milan people bred the Peace Rose, um, has, have um, produced a rose that won a gold medal in the rose trials in, in Adelaide. And uh, the rose also is renowned for its ability to hold up very well in, in a vase. So it's a really good cutting rose. And the colouring of the rose, those people that grow roses would remember or know Double Delight. It's a very similar colour to Double Delight. Okay. okay. So a very healthy, healthy bush. Um, very unusual. And um, the other rose I've got in here is a rose that's dedicated to Slim Dusty. And the colour of that rose is a really, really hot burnt orange. And um, it's got a, a beautifully formed flower, fairly classically hybrid tea. And um, the proceeds from this rose go to uh, Slim Dusty's memorial house. Of course, he was born in Kempsey up in New South Wales. Mm-hmm. And um, they've, they've created a memorial there and, and some of the proceeds go towards that memorial um, um, that's been established for him. Of course, people know Slim Dusty, the famous um, country and western singer, and sings about real good Aussie things. Yes. So they're two new roses, Pam. Okay, yes. excellent. Yes, fine. Um, so, so slim is a is a burnt orange. Yes, and the other one is uh, so it's it's like a dual color, like yes. um, um, basically white with a, with a, pink, a, a pink, deep, yeah, deep pink edging. Yes, and does it have a perfume like yes, Double Delight? Oh, not as good as Double Delight. No, Double Delight's amazing. We isn't still it? we still look at Double Delight us rose breeders in envy with <laughs> the perfume. It's absolutely fantastic. Yep, yep, captivating. Yep. Mm. No, that's fantastic. But it's got a, it has got a, a reasonably um, light perfume. Okay. And um, it's not disappointing at all when you smell the smell the perfume because perfume's different for everybody. Oh, that's yes. right. It's yes. very subjective, isn't it? Mm. Yes. So we we're sending these roses. Um, in the mail, 12 months of the year, mm-hmm. and um, um, we're sending them Australia-wide. We can't send them to Western Australia because of restrictions there, but we can, we've been sending a lot into country areas and right up in, into Queensland, and can you believe it, up to Alice Springs and um, Goodness me. into that area. Okay. Mm. Excellent. All right. Well, I'm happy to say that uh, online we have uh, Chloe Thompson. Now, Chloe has worked as a TV presenter on The Garden Gurus. She's a writer, a blogger. Um, She's got a degree in agricultural science and is also completing her Masters of Horticulture at Burnley at the moment. Good morning, Chloe. Morning, Pam. And, uh, gosh, three days to go, Chloe, till the gardenettes um, come to life. I know, it's pretty exciting. It certainly is. Now, I really wanted you to, uh, to talk to us this morning to tell listeners all about the gardenettes and what's about to be launched. Um, yes. Fabulous. Thanks for having me. That's fine. Um, so the gardenettes were a 100% online gardening and cooking show. 
So, yes, that means we're not on TV, so you can watch us um, by our YouTube channel and our website, and then we'll also have snippets on our social media as well. Okay. So um, what's the address going to be for a start? Yes, the address. Well, we're feverishly working on the website at the moment, so it's not 100% uh, launched the website. Um, so it will be thegardenets.com.au, and that's spelt like if you can remember how to spell uh, rockets or suffragettes. Okay, all right. Now you've got you've got you're taking a completely different slant on on a typical gardening show, aren't you? Yeah, you- we are. Yep. Um, the the gardenettes. The whole show is between seven and ten minutes long. Um, it includes about five or six segments that are under two minutes each, um, and the show's rounded out really nicely with um, a seasonal cooking segment by Danny Venn. Okay, so who who is your audience aimed at? If it's only 10 minutes long with very short segments, you're obviously geared to people who are time poor, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Time poor people, people who like to watch things on their, their smartphones, who like to watch things on their iPads. Um, a lot of people that we spoke to, particularly in the younger generations, as, we, as we're calling it, um, will say to us that they want to watch a video or, you know, like in the ads while they're watching telly or they want to watch it while they're sitting in a cafe grabbing a quick cup of coffee. Okay. Um, so, yeah, we're geared toward those people that really want to um, watch something when they want to watch it and wherever they want to watch it. Right. Now, it's, it's, it's the brainchild of you and Melissa King. I'm sure a lot of our listeners um, know Melissa as well. Um, from her uh, various uh, uh, TV uh, um, appearances, particularly as well on The Garden Gurus with yep. yourself. Um, but you've also invited Danny Venn to be a part of the team. Now, what's Danny's role? So Danny is going to be the cook that rounds up each show. Danny um, was a finalist from MasterChef. I think it was the 2011 season, if I've got that correct. Yes, yes. Um, And she's a fabulous girl. She's really bright, really bubbly, and she's got a beautiful attitude to food. She loves cooking um, seasonal, fresh food. I often spot her down at my local farmer's market. Um, and, yeah, she really, really likes that um, modern, healthy twist on food. Okay. So are you, is the aim to try and link um, the gardening segments with the cooking segments? It is, yeah. Um, so we might, Danny might be talking about, um, you know, cooking beetroot and then we might be talking about growing beetroot. Not necessarily, but there are a couple of shows where we've got that connection planned. But otherwise, Danny's definitely cooking with seasonal fruit and veg. Okay. Now, of course, the other thing, of course, is because it's online, I guess people can, um, if they didn't quite catch it or if they then want to take their, their smartphone out into the garden and actually do it as they watch, they, they, can, they can rerun the, the segment yeah, exactly. whenever they want. Yep, and that was something that Melissa and I really liked about the idea. I mean, we often have both done this with cooking segments. If we've gone to cook a dish and we want to rewatch it while we're just about to, to cook it, and we thought, well, why can't you do the same thing with gardening? Um, and so that's what we want to make available to people. Um, and we'll also, ha- also have really easy-to-download fact sheets that people can just pop in their, um, their smartphones and take into a nursery if they want to and say, I, I need this, this and this because I want to create that look. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Okay. And what's, what's the idea behind the retro look? Um, I, I suppose people probably haven't seen it, but basically we've, um, you know, we're wearing our jeans and our tops, but we've sort of got a bit of a 1940s, 1950s hairstyle with a little um, bandana in our hair. And the idea behind it really is just that it's something a bit different. It basically means if someone peers over your shoulder while you're looking at your iPhone or your smartphone, then they can go, oh, what's that? 
Um, and it also just gives us a bit of a quirky, modern, but retro edge. Um, we all love that vintage style. Uh, and it's just that whole philosophy that sort of what's old is new again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, excellent. So you're covering all different aspects of, of gardening in the show? Yeah, all different aspects. Really are focusing on that garden-to-table aspect, um, but we're also doing, obviously, um, flowers as well. And pest and disease problems? Pest and disease, all organic control for pest and disease, um, and really simple tips for people on how to you know, plant veggies, grow fruit trees, um, yeah, basically grow their own. Wonderful. Okay. Now, we mentioned it. it uh, the whole thing launches um, on the 14th, which is uh, next Wednesday. Wednesday. Yep. Um, goodness me. So, um, uh, so you, you've mentioned it's thegardenets.com.au for yeah, the website? Yeah, the, website, the website's not 100% up yet and running. Okay. What, can, what about... Um, yeah, Facebook. Facebook and Instagram are 100% up and running, so people can jump on. We've had a few competitions actually running over the last couple of days. Oh, okay. been going nuts. So what are the addresses for people for Facebook? and? Um... Well, Facebook, if they just pop in, jump on Facebook and pop into the search bar of Facebook, The Gardenette, they'll find us. Okay, excellent. Yeah. All right. Well, all the very best with, with it. It's an exciting new adventure, and, and I'm sure that it's going to appeal to a lot of our, um, our younger gardeners who um, maybe don't feel terribly confident in gardening. They've maybe just bought their very first home, um, want to get started, and um, they're so used to, to sort of Facebook and, and online media that I think this is going to go down well. Oh, hopefully, Pam. Thanks so much. Okay. Thanks for talking to us. Thanks. Ta. Bye. Bye. Okay, so uh, that was Chloe Thompson. Chloe is one of the uh, the three gardenettes, and as I mentioned, that's all uh, happening as from uh, next Wednesday, the fourteenth. Uh, Facebook page, just type in the gardenettes, or when their website is finally up and running, which won't be too long, it's sure. Um, www.thegardenettes.com.au. Also, you'll find them on the YouTube channel as well. So. Uh, Yes, a whole new – we are becoming modernised, Roger. <laughs> yeah, look, it's interesting. We're being that, dragged into the well, <laughs> next right. century. Sometimes I wonder about this term, time poor. Right. Sometimes I think we like to think we're time poor, when maybe we're not. People do have time to have a coffee break, don't they? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And they, so take, it's, I guess they it's, take time out to do things they like too sometimes. True. True. So, so uh, yes. Yeah. Anyway, no, but all the, all the best for them. You know, as far as you know, doing this sort of thing is great. Absolutely. But, uh, you know, and they're, they're all and they're an enthusiastic bunch. So hopefully it goes well. Yep. Excellent. Okay. As I mentioned, uh, you are listening to the Three CR Gardening Show. We're running through until nine fifteen this morning. Um, if you'd like to uh, jump on the phones and give us a call, 94190155. Let's get to a couple more of our callers. Uh, first up, we have Coral, who's out in Lansfield. Good morning, Coral. Good morning. Um, I'm just inquiring about the kangaroo paws. I've got a few in those stand the frost, but I've bought a couple who that don't. Yeah. And I'm just wondering about this beautiful purple one I'm looking forward to. <laughs> yeah, look, that, that, that'll that be fine. Will it? Uh, yeah, no, they should be fine. Yeah. Uh, any in this, the, what we call the Flavidus group, it's F-L-A-V-I-D-U-S, mm. that group, they're quite tolerant, unless you get really, really heavy frost. We uh, do. Yeah, and the, what can happen is that the, um, the early 
flower stems can be damaged by frost. So as they're starting to come up and if you get, um, you know, even frost, heavy frost now or a little bit later could damage the early flower stems. But the best thing to do with those is just to cut them off and then as the the warmth comes on and you're not having too many frosts, you'll get further yeah. flower stems come up. Um, one one thing about a lot that a lot of the kangaroo paws they do respond well to fertilisers, yeah. and uh, and sometimes that especially if you have had frosts and once you're starting to warm up, even to give them a dose of uh, you know a, a slow release fertiliser or organic type fertiliser uh, can can be quite. Beneficial. And do you advise to burn them? I've done that. Oh, yeah, fine. Yeah, they come up beautiful. They do. I think that's a fantastic way yeah. of, uh, of controlling. It's awful, awful stuff, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And sometimes, you know, for some of the people who maybe are not growing kangaroo paws, or even if you are, you, you, you do get blackening of stems, mm. and that can be caused by a few things. Sometimes if you get uh, hail or even heavy heavy rain can just slightly damage the leaves and then that leaves a great opening for a couple of fungal diseases to get in and you get what you call um, ink disease which uh, can be a bit hard to control but by burning them regularly that can keep that under control yeah, yeah. Right. now something else i want to ask um i've got you know the the big old oh they call them the black boy trees yes you know? yes now I've got one growing from the bottom. I yep. can't cut that off, can I? Because it no, wouldn't have roots. No, no. no. It's a you... damn nuisance growing into the path. And I <laughs> change okay. my path. Uh, yeah, well, that's that's the best idea. Change mm. your path. But, and the uh, other thing, could I? Could you please tell me when the gurus are on? Because I don't really watch that television much. I usually no, watch the. They're uh, on Channel oh. Nine, and it's oh, usually yeah. on a weekend afternoons. But oh. they do. They they have. Uh, more or less a, a series of programs, don't they? Then they have a break, Pam, the gurus. Yes, yes. So they might do, is it six or eight or something? I'm not too sure exactly. What's that day or Sunday? You don't know. Uh, I think I might have caught it on a Saturday. But, um, I think it's round about a four o'clockish time slot. Yeah, it's yeah. it's afternoon. Oh, once the footy's gone, I'll watch it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you very much for all that. Okay, okay. Good. bye. Bye. Remind me to get back to burning kangaroo paws okay. because I think that needs a bit more explanation. If oh, people yeah. think I should do it and don't know how to, but yeah, yeah, we'll fine. get to a couple more callers first. Okay, okay we have uh, Robert next who's in Mitcham. Good morning, Robert. Yes, good morning all. Look, uh, out there in Mitcham, in amongst uh, some fairly heavy trees after years of failing to grow a, a front lawn, mm-hmm. we uh, just, just use an area where all of the, the uh, leaves that fall off, I run the mower over them and then we have a, a, a nice area there to walk on, which at this time of the year we've got a good uh, thickness of compost, but frequently in, uh, we're getting little eruptions around the place and if I open them up, there's great piles of grubs. Uh, little uh, grey-brown grubs are probably about one and a half centimetres long, about a centimetre thick. And uh, as you open them up, there's not much movement of them, but, but there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. Any thoughts on what they may be? Uh, this is in the mulch? Is in it? the mulch. In the mulch. Um, 
I'm I'm not too sure. I probably have to see them to get get a bit of an idea. But I just wonder whether, in fact, uh, you know, moths may have even laid their eggs in the mulch. Mm. Well, something obviously has. <laughs> yeah. Whether they're um, harmless or harmful. Yeah. Um, I don't think they'll be doing too much harm. But you know, sometimes we we see grubs and we think they're going to do harm all the time, and they don't. Um, but what I'd suggest is maybe if you could just get a bit of that uh, mulch and stick it in in a large-ish uh, glass container or something and even put a couple of, if you've got a, a lid, just put a couple of holes in the lid and just see what comes out. But I, I would think it's going to probably be a moth of some sort. Right. Going back uh, one or two years, we had swarms of little uh, beetles, probably around about the same length, I suppose, about a centimetre and a half long. Okay. Well, it, look, it uh, could even be beetle. It could Be-, be yeah. could be beetle larvae too. Yeah. Uh, there was uh, a greyish, greyish-brown thing with a, uh, a coloured head. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, they, they just tended to swarm yeah, well, over plants. Uh, yeah. You know, they were there for a few weeks and disappear. We couldn't well, really see right. whether they were having any damage or not. No. Did they uh, come out when there was lots of flowers out and they get on the flowers? I can't remember at this yeah. stage. Because sometimes there's, I think, called plague beetles, uh, which don't do any damage. They're good pollinators, actually, of, of flowers. Mm. Yeah, I don't, don't know. We, uh, yeah. I thought yeah. at, at the time my wife said uh, we had someone uh, uh, tell us what they were, but I... I, I I can't remember what okay, they were. And okay. Can't remember but look, who yeah, it was that would have told us. Yeah, that's right. I, I'd, I'd just try sticking them in a container and just just see what comes out. Um, what hatches? Yeah, what what hatches from them? And uh, but there might be some you know other some listeners out there who may have an idea. They could call in and give us some advice. It's a bit hard when we can't actually yeah, see it. Right. Um, the other alternative would be when you've got them in the the glass container with a lid. Take it down to your local nursery as well, yep. mm. they might be able to ID it for you. Mm. Yeah. We don't have too many local nurseries. No. no. Ooh, They're this, all this going. Is... They're all closing. It's yeah. terrible. Yeah. No, those big places have taken over, and I don't know that the information there is all that wonderful. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So you're or you're can you take Mitchum? a photo? That's, that's what have, I was going to suggest. A lot do, of people do you have a now... computer? Are you able to email a photo mm. or uh, send a photo in? Yes, I could. I could. We don't have a computer, but I can uh, I can organise that. I think. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, if you send a photo in into uh, into three CR, mm-hmm. PO Box one two double seven, Collingwood, three zero six six. Have you got that? PO Box one two double seven, Collingwood, three zero six six, and just just um, mark it for the gardening show. On the envelope, and we'll we'll have a look at it and see what we can come up with. Right, there you go. Okay, now before you go, yes, uh, kangaroo paws. Yes, that wife said she's seen one fairly locally in the area. That seems to be quite hardy, a dark uh, orangey red one. Any thoughts on what it might be? Is it uh, tall? Tall, 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 tall flower stems. Yeah, reasonably tall. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, it could be a couple. There's one. One called tangerine around. There's uh, there's a few few of them, and and they they're quite reliable. Um, 
It's called tangerine. Well, there there is one called tangerine. Mm-hmm. There's a few there's, um, there's a few different ones, depending on the how tall they are. There's one called uh, bush tango, and it's another orangey one. Um, but yep, they they do well in conditions and out your way in the eastern suburbs, they'll be fine. Yeah, right. Roberts at Mitcham. I mean, yes. if you've ducked up to Karanga Nursery in York Road, Mount Evelyn, you'd see lots and lots in flower. I mean, they're great because they flower for so long, <laughs> and you'd be able to see plants in flower and you know be able to pick which one probably that you've seen. Just tells me it's, it's more dark maroon than anything else. More dark maroon. Oh, it might be even uh, one called Big Red, perhaps. And big Red. Big Red, yeah. And and that's a good, reliable one. There you go. All right, folks, thank you very much for that once again. All right. Okay. Good, okay. good luck. Bye. Bye. Right, next up we're going to uh, Elaine out in Burwood. Good morning, Elaine. Good morning, everyone. Uh, I have a query on a lime tree. Uh, The fruit is going yellow. I wondered what we could give the lime tree. Oh, and by the way, it's growing at Colac. Okay. Lime trees. Lime tree. Limes, when they ripen, go yellow. Exactly. That my comment was (laughs) going to be entirely that. Yes, people think of limes as being green, but actually, when they when they're fully ripened, they turn yellow. Oh, fine. Okay. Yes, thank you very so much. So pick them and use them and enjoy them. And yes, too right. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye. And uh, yeah, it's a different matter if if, if leaves go yellow. Though again, yeah. with citrus, of course, we've had cold weather and well, they can go right. yellow in they the cold go, weather. Go yellow with the cold, and they're now starting to green up. I think a lot of leaves. They are. They should be greening up again. But, but you know, um, things but yes. like cow manure and other things can yep. be beneficial. Mm. But certainly, limes turning turning yellow just means hooray! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> limes for use in the kitchen. Mm, okay. That's... Well, let's go to uh, Sharon in Cheltenham. Good morning, Sharon. Uh, good morning. Uh, look, just a quick question. I have a problem with silver beet and parsley. Uh, leaves are going yellow and whitish. It, it's looking very odd. Whitish? Well, uh, the parsley, the leaves are going yellow. Yes. And the silver beet, it's more a whitish, like they're losing their green chlorophyll. I don't Slightly just silvery whitish? Yes. Yes. Okay, I'd say to have a look under the leaves, maybe. Well, we have. have. Um, my husband's even looked under the microscope. Can't find anything? <laughs> no, not not anything in the insect type. Uh, Pam's of a good vegetable grower. What do you well, mean? I'm also I'm also wondering about um, about whether um, have you ever grown zucchinis? Yes. Yes, I'm thinking. I'm thinking of a mould because we've had a lot of rain. Mm-hmm. Um, in I which... know the mould you mean, like yes. the powdery mildew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's not that. It's not that. No, because you you know how with the powdery mildew, if you rub it, it seems to. Yeah. It's not doing that. No. Okay. No, I just never had it before. It was beautiful one minute, and yep. then the next minute. Have you been feed starting to feed it a bit now? Feeding? No. I, I'd, okay. I'd suggest a good good all round. Good feed because I'd say with the parsley, it's probably lacking in um, you know a good dose of, of cow manure or something round round all your plants. Is it spread throughout the plant, or is it just happening on some leaves? Uh, 
well spread. Mm. Um, yeah, I do keep up the compost, which has got plenty of manure in it. I wouldn't have thought it was that. But mm. Maybe not enough food just in compost. Yes, I'd say, because, yeah. I mean, vegetables really take it. They need a lot of feed. Mm-hmm. Um, and you need, be, um, particularly before your spring, you know, you 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 full-on spring planting of vegetables, you really do need to feed your whole vegetable garden. Um, I would normally use um, an animal manure, but I would also use a little sprinkle of um, trace elements yes. at this mm-hmm. time of the year as well be- uh, because they really do need to take up, particularly your leafy greens need a lot of nitrogen. Mm. Right. We're experiencing a similar thing with roses now at the moment and, and it ha- happens because there's this surge of growth mm. that's happening. So I believe ma- minerals would be a, a thing that would be have an advantage. Mm. Well, that, yeah. that is true. I noticed it did come on shortly after. Like I was beginning to wonder if I'd ever pick silver beet, then suddenly I started picking it and it was good. Mm. Yep. And then the next thing it got the um, this thing. So maybe that's right. It, uh, it mm. did correspond with the... Increase in growth. So. Yeah, because yeah. I know our parsley were looking. You know, there was a lot of yellow leaves, and I just cut them all off and, mm. and gave them a bit of food. And it's yeah, amazing and now how... it's going rampant. I need a hundred <laughs> recipes of how to use parsley. I think. <laughs> yeah, well, it's funny because I've got some parsley about a metre away under a fajoa tree, mm-hmm. and it's brilliant. It hasn't got one speck of yellow on it. Okay, yes. which is very odd because that. That certainly isn't being fed. Yeah, okay. Ah, oh, just... Frustrating, huh? Frustrating, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I but try anyway. some, some Yates Balanced Minerals. Right. Okay. Okay. Look, thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Uh, next up we have uh, Sunny out in... Uh, or I should say down in uh, St Kilda. Good morning. Sunny? Oh, good morning. Yes. Yeah. Good morning. Listen, I just had, um, wanted to ask you a question, been meaning to ring for a little while. I've got, uh, I've got a small courtyard. Say, for example, it's about oh, six or seven by seven. Mm-hmm. I have this beautiful tree. I really like these trees. They're, they're, I think it's called Eucalyptus um, KCI or yep, that Ganguru. Or That's it, yep. Like. That's it. Beautiful. It's got this white sort of bark, etc. Yep. Just wondering now, it's about five or six years old. Mm-hmm. It's just probably getting a little bit high, uh, you know, for the neighbour. I, mean, I don't want to get yeah. into a conflict with neighbours. Yes. Can I just quietly lock it off? I don't want to sort of lose it, you know, yeah, in the process of yeah. cutting. Has it just got one trunk or have you got more than one? No, there's a couple of, like, they're still wispy. Yep. You know, because it's that sort of nature. Yes. So yes. wispy trees going to the top. I was wondering if I could just quietly trim it because I really don't want to lose it. It's happened uh, to me before. I lost another one okay. after five years, you know. Yeah. Is that, um, yeah, look, if you've got more than one trunk and the other, the smaller trunks are growing quite well, I'd suggest that you cut the the taller trunk right down to the base. Okay. And okay. then leave the other two to come up. And then hopefully you'll then get more trunks developed from the base and you can just keep thinning out the thinning, trunks the word. Uh, yeah, over yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But long as long as the two other, other trunks you've got developing are growing well. 
Yeah, they're growing well. Okay, yeah, yeah. well, yeah. Because, oh, could... I love these. Oh, they're those, the fruit they put yes. in the flowers. Oh. Yeah, and a... in this area, you know, it attracts uh, like sort of native birds. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. No, they're good good for that. So looks as though you've been doing the right thing for it anyway. So that's oh, good. Oh, fabulous. And just to have a quick question, there's silly questions yep. as well. Is there any way, because I really like this, try get a new one. In fact, I have a fresh one. Is there any way you can kind of, sort of bonsai it if I put it in a tub, you know, by... Oh, you cleaning. look, yeah, yeah, you, you, you could, and I'm sure there's people out there who are, are bonsaiing eucalyptus caseus. So, um, yeah, oh, there's no no reason why you can't. And, uh, you know, people have grown eucalypts in pots for That's what uh, I thought. a couple of centuries now. And, uh, you know, when you go over to Europe, you can see them in, in pots. They've been oh. in pots for a long, long time. And the thing with the eucalyptus casia, it forms a lignotuber at the base where it gets new shoots coming up from. It's a, it's a safety mechanism if something happens in a fire or things like, like that. Like a melly root. A melly sort of root. Thing. And so, yeah, yeah, no, look, give it a go. Because the other thing also, again, very quickly, I am planning now to retire to Sri Lanka about two years' time. Uh-huh. And I'm thinking seriously of taking quite a lot of these trees with me to do a similar thing, but I'll have to ask the appropriate authority. Yeah, there's yeah. very strict restrictions on yeah, getting plants even out of Australia now. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Particularly in that fa- family because yeah, there is a worldwide disease now called myrtle rust um, and certainly um, there are major regulations in Australia, but you could ask Mr Google uh, for information oh, about right. myrtle rust. But myrtle myr- rust. Yeah, myrtle rust affects right. everything in the myrtle family. Not, not, in- not everything, but a lot of well, things. Well, a lot, yeah, oh. potentially. And so a lot of international concern about that. Oh. And my other comment would be if uh, a Common name for that eucalyptus casia, caesia, caesia, whatever you want to call yeah. it, um, is silver princess. Ah, silver princess. Mm. Right, so that right. if you're talking about it, silver right. princess is a very commonly used common name for that tree. And right. if if you're going to Sri Lanka, there could be the possibility of you uh, taking seed with you. Ah, yes, yes. And and uh, if you can. Uh, you can buy a seed, you know seed commercially, which it means it's sealed and all that sort of thing, uh, and uh, you you should possibly be able to get that into Sri Lanka, and then you oh. can grow it over there. Fabulous! Oh, thank you very much. That's answered all my questions. Thank you. Okay. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye. Graham, a listener wants to know uh, the name. Uh, Silky's Rose Farm. Obviously, I've just given it, but they want to uh, know your phone number as well. The phone number for, for our nursery, um, they could get us on the normal line, 57871123. That's 57871123. And it's Silky's Rose Farm in Clombanane. Yes. Yes. Okay. Now, uh, while I've got a minute, um, I do want to mention a new book that's uh, just been released. We've seem to uh, everyone suddenly becoming interested in bees because we're suddenly realising that bees are under threat, Roger, aren't they? Very That's right. much so. I, th- I think I'm trying to remember which um, state in USA it might be Minnesota. They've now, you know, banning the sprays that are being used, the neonicotinoids. Um, so that's the first state to do that. Okay. In USA, so well, good on them. There's been, you know, um, 
a breath of hope, I think, mm. that maybe some other states will follow mm. over there. Mm. Well, um, as I mentioned, there's a new book on the market. Now, this book is called The Bee-Friendly Garden, Easy Ways to Help the Bees and Make Your Garden Grow. Now, it's been written by Doug Purdy. Now, Doug is a self-professed bee evangelist. That's what he calls himself. He's the co-founder of the Urban Beehive in uh, Sydney, which manages over 100 hives around the Sydney uh, metropolitan area. He teaches uh, beginner beekeeping courses and he's the author of Backyard Bees. Now, when he wrote Backyard Bees, um, it was designed for um, for telling people how to actually set up a hive um, in their own backyard, how to collect the honey, uh, process the honey, etc., etc. This uh, second book of his has come in response to... Um, him giving talks and a lot of people wanted to, um, they didn't necessarily want to keep a beehive in their garden, but they wanted to encourage bees into the garden and they also wanted to try and reduce um, the risk of, of um, bees to try and give us a um, very bee-friendly environment. Uh, so um, it's, it's a very comprehensive book. It uh, covers things like how bees forage and why your garden needs them, a comprehensive guide to bee-friendly plants, uh, simple changes we can all make to encourage a healthy bee population, ideas for gardens of all sizes, natural pest control and planting advice. And uh, he's... um, and he's, he's wanting to try and transform our backyards and balconies from an insect desert into a, what he calls a bee nirvana and a bee highway across Australia. So I think that's rather lovely language. Now, um, as I say, it's, it's, uh, he's really looked into what is, um, what is not assisting our bees and a lot of it he puts down to... Um, to firstly, as you mentioned, uh, Roger, the use of insecticides in the garden. Secondly, he puts it down to a lot of um, our gardening practices these days, modern, um, you know, housing development. And, uh, for instance, um, one, of the, uh, one of the things he's bemoaning, which I was really taken with, is that um, people only think of the honeybee in their gardens, but we have so many um, Australian native bees and uh, many of them, uh, of course, they're still wonderful pollinators. Yep. And um, the the whole image of these new housing developments where where the garden is completely cleared, mulch is spread down. Now, a lot of a lot of these Australian native bees actually nest in the ground. Mm-hmm. Now, when they when they clear all weeds, all vegetation, and put down thick mulch um, for low maintenance gardens. We're removing the habitat of these mm-hmm. Australian native bees. Yep. Um, you uh, know, and we're also not planting the variety no, of flowering uh, plants that we used that's to. That's what I was just going to say, the diversity of plants. Absolutely. It's just really important and to have a, a whole range of different types of plants, you know, some with tubular flowers, open petal flowers, things like daisies, uh, pea plants, you know, to, to have a, a wide range of things so that you can actually provide... Uh, habitat for a lot of these these insects. And the other thing is to have them flowering, not everything flowering in in springtime. Precisely. Bees bees need pollen all year round. They also need water. Mm -hmm. So putting some water 
um, out into the garden, particularly with with a pebble in the base of your dish so Mm. that the bees don't drown. Um, And, of course, we're not just – the book doesn't just talk bees, but it also mentions um, other pollinators because – Oh, yeah, look, there's – Hoverflies. I don't know. Pe- people they sometimes think they're little wasps, but or, or little bees. But uh, you know, hoverflies. It, it's a native uh, insect, and it's just such an important uh, insect to have around. Absolutely. Yeah. So flies, butterflies. Um, we don't need to just think bees, but we really need to look after our pollinators. That's right. And and you're mentioning flies. You know, people want to try and get rid of flies. But oh, I know they fl- do. Fly, flies are very good pollinators of lots of plants. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, other other little um, uh, things he's written about in the book, which I, I I was quite taken with. Firstly, he mentions a lot of the native bee species um, included with photos, so he identifies them and, and talks about them, and uh, has photos there as well for your um, IDs. He mentions not all bees are good bees, mm-hmm. um, and particularly one that comes straight to mind for me is the bumblebee in Tasmania. But uh, he's, he's devoted a whole chapter to um, identifying all these different bees. Um, then uh, he devotes a lot to um, plants that we can grow to encourage bees and other pollinators in our garden. And he goes through um, edible plants, native plants, um, um, flowering plants, all the different plants that we can think about no matter how... Um, large or small our garden is and uh, he also has a chapter on um, beehives and bee hotels and a lot of different designs that uh, people can make at home and place into their own garden so um, I love the look of the bee hotels oh that's right they're wonderful just the garden we visited yesterday I noticed there might have been more than one bee hotel I think there was but in one there was actually mud clay which they'd put in Okay, yes. So things like the wasps, you know, that need mud for building, often building nests or... Yes. They will. So there's yeah, the things like that just to do that. But to have, you know, even just the aspect of a few rocks around and uh, uh, things like that can be very beneficial too for, you know... Absolutely. I know we, we used to have a native bee, little native bee at Heathmont come in and it came in about November and it would land on the... The group of them would land on the same branch... Of the cherry ballard, the wild cherry. Right. Every time. Good heavens. They would come, they would land on the same branch. Okay. Mm. And then down below, there were some some rocks with crevices. And we, we hunted for, you know, trying to find, but um, they would be there. And they'd they would, be. They'd under, underground. Yes. So it, uh, yeah. So it's interesting how the, you know, just come to the same place. Absolutely. It's, found that staggering. Yes. Mm-hmm. So anyway, if um, this book, uh, as I say, has uh, just been released onto the market, uh, the name of the book again is The Bee Friendly Garden, Easy Ways to Help the Bees and Make Your Garden Grow. It's by Doug Purdy, spelled P-U-R-D-I-E. It's published by Murdoch Books. Um Recommended retail price is $45. Now, we do have one copy available this morning um, as a supporter segment. So if someone would like to uh, phone in and offer um, $45, which will go towards um, the 3CR Gardening Show and uh, maintaining the program over the next 12 months, uh, do give us a call on 9 
419-0155. So for a cost of $45 or add an extra $10 if you want it posted out to you, uh, 94190155. Okay, let's get back to um, kangaroo, paw kangaroo burning. paws and burning, burning because when do people do it? Yep. How much do they do it? Do they pour kerosene over it? I mean, fill us in. Yeah, probably best to be done in autumn. Uh, after flowering is finished, yes, and this is when you do sometimes have a build-up of uh, old leaves, and uh, often the leaves might have this ink disease. Mm-hmm. So just by burning, and uh, a friend of ours used to just get some even some pine needles or casuarina needles, yep, and put that over the plant and light that. So d- don't whatever. <laughs> No, no kerosene. No kerosene, no. No, no petrol. Sorry, I was joking when I, <laughs> I said know, that. <laughs> I know, I know. No petrol, no, you know, no yes. fire stimulant. Yes. But just to do that and uh, and you'll find that, uh, yes, yeah, so if you do it at late, yeah, even early autumn is probably mm-hmm. a good time. After okay. summer, so there's, there's a bit of dryish material and burn. And, um, you know, this friend, he used to do it all the time and had fantastic clean kangaroo paws. He was in the country property, not yeah. living in St Kilda no, or Richmond. No, no, that, that's one, yeah, one <laughs> of the other things. You'd have to be careful just uh, where, oh, where, yes. where you're doing it. Mm. But uh, And uh, I know down at the uh, the gardens at, Botanic Gardens at Cranbourne, they did some little patches and, and they worked quite well. Okay. So mm. do you let it just die out itself yeah, or do yeah. you no, just smoulder it and, and yeah, yeah, squash it fairly yeah. quickly? or Yeah, no. Just let it go? Yeah. The, the main thing is if you do, depending on the mulch, sort of mulch you've got, you know, if you've got uh, wooden mulch or things like that, yes, you probably have to douse it. You yes. Know, with water. I was so, thinking that. Yeah, to make sure that it's, that it's out. Okay. Yeah. Because fire can spread in mulch underground. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Found yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you've got to many, be very many careful. years ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. yeah. No. Okay, but, but that's a, it's a good way of, of doing it, you mm. know? and uh, yeah, seems to work very well. And this is what happens in nature, you know. The fires go through, and uh, because sometimes what happens, kangaroo paws come up after fire from the rhizomes. They have these creeping rhizomes, and uh, previous years they've been smothered out because of other things have grown, and so when they come through, and sometimes the rhizomes can sit there in a dormant state. And just have a fire and open plenty of light, and up they come. So yeah. okay, all right. Um, with regard ink disease, um, mm-hmm. I thought that some breeders were trying to actually breed that out. Oh yeah, they have. And they I have. Think, yeah, um, it's one one of the things. It's um, when the stems get damaged, you get this blackening occurring, mm. and uh, the the uh, there's been a lot of selection work trying to find. You know, clones, natural clones, and other things which aren't prone to that. So, yeah, there is, there has been a lot of work done in that, and this is one of the reasons why they've tended to slightly change their breeding programs, going across and using Anigosanthus flavidus more as one of the parents, whereas some of the smaller ones, um, they have these brilliant flowers and and that, but they are a bit more prone. Okay. That. So uh, you're just changing the parentage and uh, hopefully we'll get some nice stronger plants. Excellent. Okay. Mm. Yeah. You are listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. Um, we do have Gwen and Roger Elliott in the studio as well as Graham Sargent from Silky's Rose Farm in Clombernane. If you'd like to jump on the phones, we're running through until 9.15, so you've got uh, about 15 minutes to jump on the phones and give us a call if you'd like to ask a gardening question this morning. The number is nine. 
419 That's 9419 um, there, There's just a, an event coming up down the track which I meant to mention. Um, it's uh, Botanical Illustrators, and this is the Friends of Cranbourne Botanic, Botanic Illustrator Group, uh, having a, a beginner's introduction to botanical illustration using graphite. Okay. And uh, so it's on Monday and Tuesday, that's the 17th and 18th of October, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Um, it's a two day workshop, so it, it's going to help people uh, create, I suppose, yeah, create a true representation of a, a subject, whatever you yes. might want to do, and uh, using graphite. And so the, the, um, the person running this. Uh, workshop is Margaret Holloway, who's a very experienced uh, art teacher and botanical artist, and she's she's really good. So if you're wanting some more information on that, you could ring Margaret on 0438 985 382. And uh, all, all materials will be supplied. There's a cost you're a member of the Friends, Melbourne or Cranbourne, it's $170. Non-members, $190. And it's a maximum of 10 people. So you really get some personalised, personalised instruction. instruction. Yep. And there'll be work on you know, measuring, foreshortening um, and surface rendering and, and things like that. So, uh, yeah, that number again for Margaret Holloway is 0438 985 382. Good. Excellent. Gwen, we haven't mentioned this spectacular plant that's mm. flowering its head off at the moment. Yeah, it certainly is, isn't it? It's one of the, the Australian native orchids. Um, it's a great season for orchid. Um, as you've been aware, you've mentioned that there's an orchid show on next weekend, I think it is. There's a number of orchid shows around. And this is one of the native dendrobiums. Uh, the species is Dendrobium speciosum. Uh, and we're looking, it's a, a fairly small plant in a way, but we've got one, two, three, four, five, six flower spikes, and each one would have 30, 40, 50 flowers in it. Mm. Um, so each spike is about a foot long, depending on the size of your feet, but you know, and so it's really very showy. Um, and it's one of many cultivars of Dendrobium speciosum. Dendrobiums like the, or those orchids like the roses, very popular for breeding purposes. They're very amenable to breeding uh, and there are lots around now. So do go along to uh, an orchid nursery or an orchid show at this time of the year and have a look because now's the time to see what they look like. Do you want to add to that, Rog? Oh, yeah. It's one of the orchids which uh, doesn't grow in soil. So it's uh, it's called the Sydney rock orchid, but it grows in a whole other lot of areas, not just around Sydney. But it's one of the so-called epiphyte. So things it, it's growing in a pot. A bit it's a, in an orchid mix. It's even a bit a bit like a, a cacti mix type thing. Chunky, chunky, chunky mix. Well so draining. It drains mm. really well. And um, so yeah, it's um, a cream. Colour in flower. That, did I? Hmm. It does have a perfume. It's, it's heavily <laughs> perfumed. <laughs> the whole studio has been filled well, with the perfume of it. Once there's a bit of warmth around, you'll yes. get, get, the, get the perfume. Um, and they're best grown in, well, they, they will take full sunshine. And often, if it's grown in full, shun, full sunshine, the leaves look just yellow and often dreadful. But mm. that's when they can flower. 
mm. really well. So, but if you put them in too much shade, they won't really flower that well. And so that this one gets morning sunshine. Yes, I've got one at home in morning sunshine. Yeah, mm. yeah and it, that does well. And I gather, no way I'm a, an orchid expert at all, but talking to the real enthusiasts, they're saying this is a fantastic year for dendrobiums and other things. Okay. So, uh, yeah, so, you know, they're, they're worth having. They really don't take a great deal of care. You no, they get, don't. They, they, they thrive they, on they the thrive, You know, so... Um, the only thing is the snails oh, yeah, love the yeah, flower buds. Yes, yes, that's right. You've got to watch snails yes. and slugs yes. on them. So I know we've just got ours up on a, on a bench. Um sitting outside the kitchen window. So it's, mm. it's really nice just looking across mm. across through them. So, yeah, do, are you having the Australian Native Orchids? We certainly Australasian are. Native and I was, I was about to mention yeah. that, um, yes, coming up uh, again uh, 24th, 25th of September, so in a couple of weeks' time, uh, there will be the big Native Orchids show uh, on again. And this is where you'll see lots of dendrobiums and other Australian Native Orchids. Um, it's coming up at the Mount Waverley Community Centre, which, of course, is 47 Miller Crescent in Mount Waverley, opposite the Mount Waverley Railway Station there. And as I say, that's coming up uh, Saturday 24th, Sunday 25th of September, 9 till 4 on both days. And uh, we will be having Richard Austin uh, from the uh, Native Orchid Society coming in uh, the weekend before, so uh, you'll be able to hear all about them. And I'm right. sure he's going to bring in lots of different uh, Australian native orchids for us to talk about too. Yeah. So Good. it's definitely orchid season at mm, the moment. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Now, well, you've also got another one there you haven't uh, mentioned, yeah, Roger. Just a, it's another kind of stylus. It has a, you know, botanists sometimes give plants interesting name. This is called Conostylus porciflora. Now, porci can mean poor or few. But uh, when you compare, you know, the number of flowers in the head of this one is much, much smaller. So this is why they call it porcy, porcy. because they've compared it to something else. But this is one that actually moves around and it uh, produces aerial roots as it okay. goes. So, so it's sort of got rushy-type foliage. Rushy-type yep. foliage. About a... Oh, and then ten inches high, twenty centimeters, whatever. Yeah, and where the clumps of leaves are, they'll send out these stems, and uh, so it's a good plant for layering. If you, you know you want to reproduce the plant, you just uh, just put a, a bit of wire over the stems, and you'll find that the roots go down. So, and there's quite a lot of conostylus do that. They're really good at spreading, and some have they call them stilt roots, and often they look like stilts they're sitting up on stilts so they're interesting plants for a whole range of aspects just the way their their growth habits their flowers and and even the foliage when you look at a, a leaf on and this one has got the little bristles stick stick out from the the sides and quite a lot of them do have bristles and there's another oh, one yes there's another one here called conostylus satigera and satigera means bristles mm. and this one has lovely uh, bristly foliage and greyish and then it produces these little uh, bright yellow flowers uh, in clusters on short stems, probably around about, you know, 10 centimetres long. Um, and as they age, they get these pinkish or peachish coloration to them. And this one got growing in a pot at home, started flowering in February, and it's still going now, so it goes for a long time. And with the old flowers, you're finding that they're producing plantlets, 
at the base so you can just pull Again, these off yes pull these off and and treat them like cuttings and um you know divide them up and just put them in and the, the little roots will start right. to grow down so conostylus statigera one called lemon lights is is quite a popular one and doing doing well they've got this whole range of plants um of got quite a characteristic look to them haven't they yeah, yeah. once you've seen one you'll easily identify many of yeah. the uh, members of the that, family that's right and i should have mentioned they're all from western australia the conostylus okay as kangaroo paws are yes but uh, some of the other members in the family do occur in eastern australia but uh, conostylus are western australian plants okay yep. excellent yep. we'll go to our next caller and we have uh, ron who's in manningham good morning ron oh good morning um, this is a question for, for Roger, if I may, thanks. Okay. Uh, Roger, I've um, been trying to uh, set up a, uh, uh, a group of planting of Eremophila Calabari carpet, uh-huh. which is yep. a silvery grey, yes. um, low-growing low plant. Uh-huh. Um, and um, I've been rather disappointed to see that um, after a good start, mm-hmm. uh, I've had some, I'm having some dieback on the lateral stems, some okay. of them. Okay. Uh, it seems to be spreading. Um, get one, virtually one every so often, or just start the leaves start to dry off, and then the the whole stem right from start of the uh, mm-hmm. uh, the main uh, branch um, uh, goes off. I've noticed that I've got seem to have two types of calabari carpet. Is um, one I prefer is the the uh, very low growing mm-hmm. plant. Um, prostrate type, but there yeah. seems to be more of a clumping one as well. And both named Calipari carpet, yeah, which I, I was surprised. Yeah, no, I think sometimes uh, that one has got a bit mixed up in the nursery trade. Has it? Oh, mm. yeah, right. Anyway, the, it, it says, what I, why I mentioned that is the clumping one appears to be okay. I've got to have a, a couple of those. Yes. Uh, they seem to be growing. They're just flowering at the moment. And the, uh, the more prostrate one, mm-hmm. which I think is the true Calabari carpet, correct me if I'm wrong there, mm-hmm. uh, it, it is the one with the larger leaf, yeah. uh, and um, it, it is the one that I'm having this dieback problem. I'm just wondering, I don't think it's frost because uh, no. I live in Manningham, which um, we're well after the frost, but, you know, I'm still getting this uh, every yeah. so often, about you know, every week there'll be, there'll be another branch will start to yeah. die off. Yeah, I, I think what has happened because of the rain we've been having... Mm-hmm could be one of the, the main problems with this, especially on the lower stems, which are close to ground level. Yes. Um, and that, I would think, you know, it's um, it comes from Calberry area, northern, north of Perth, up where it's quite dry. A long way north uh, of Perth. A long way north of Perth <laughs> and quite warmth, a lot of warmth. And um, some, some plantings around Melbourne, you see, do very, very well. Yes. And uh, mm-hmm. others don't. Uh, some of the ones that have, I've seen doing best are if they're up on a slightly mounded areas, right? Um, mm-hmm. And where they they really do like lots of sunshine. Have you got 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 them getting lots of sunshine? Yes, uh, it, I, I would say I get about um, till about this time of the year about uh, one o'clock in the afternoon or morning mm-hmm. till about one. Mm. Then there's a bit of filtered sun through a calistamin, which is okay. not far away, yeah. large calistamin. Yeah. Yeah. But I, you're right, I, I have seen these growing in a lovely garden, which you, listeners might not check out sometime in Paran, called the uh, the old destructor depot in Surrey Road. Uh-huh. Uh, the council in Paran have established a beautiful uh, garden there amongst the high-rise uh, yes. apartments. Yes. And uh, there's some there's a clump there that backs onto the, which is north-facing, onto the um, apartments. Doing very well, but I've noticed where they're planted out in the open, 
um, nearer to the Surrey Road itself, where there's flat with mulch, uh, it, it, they've had been having this problem too. Very sparse. Yeah, no, I think dieback. Yeah, I think that's right. And once again, for the type of mulch, they probably do better if it's a gravelly mulch or uh, right, pebbly right, mulch right. rather than. I have a, been using. Um, I've been using. Uh, the uh, mulch from Queensland, you know, the sugarcane sugar mulch. Cane, yeah. Um, underneath the, that, yeah. that particular bear, but I'm having to die back. <laughs> yeah. Whether that holes the moisture too much. Yeah, I, I, I think that's probably right, Ron. I think that could be one of the problems oh, well, for that's you. that's good to know. Uh, th- they do like lots of air movement around Oh, them, I see. So know. get rid of that, probably rake that out. Yeah, I'd uh, rake it out. Likely. And mm. uh, even, you know, if you can put... Uh, you know, crushed rock or, or something like that, uh, pebbly, oh, yes. pebbly mulch or something like oh, that, right. I think right. it might be better. I, I don't know what it's called, but I think the one at Surrey Road, they, they seem to have a lot of marble uh, chips. Okay, yeah, and well, that type of thing. yeah, and that would let print plenty of air movement yeah. and the well, moisture wouldn't hang around. Right. Um, because that, that's, the moisture, you know, is one of the main problems with lots of aeromophilus. Oh, well, thank you very much for that. No, okay. Nice to talk to you. Good okay. on you. Bye-bye. Yeah, bye. Bye. Graeme, we should uh, remind listeners that uh, Silky's is open on weekends. Yes. We're officially open on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Okay. Okay. And if people can't make it at that time, give us a ring and we can make sure that we're there if they're going to come. All right. Okay. And remind people how to get there. Straight up the Hume Freeway. <laughs> and you'll, you'll see the t- turn off to Clonbanane. Don't forget Clonbanane, a place of much gold. There was more gold in Clonbanane than Bendigo at one stage, they tell us. Okay. And um, you just come up the ramp and you'll see the Silky uh, Gardens rose or Silky Farm rose signs. So you can come and visit the roses and at this moment you can come and visit the chooks too. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. And we should we should remind listeners you're going to be um, at Yay at the showgrounds. Yes, Yay. When's that coming up yay, again? Yay, verily I say unto you, I'm going to be at Yay. <laughs> when? Uh, that's on the 24th and 25th um, of this month, and that's a, at, it's act, actually at the EA race course. Okay. Okay. And it's being a garden show being run by Rotary. All right. So the Rotarians are, are um, organising the whole thing and been do, doing a fantastic job in promotion. It's their first garden show at EA. Oh, their first one. Yes. yes All yes. right. Yes. So lots of other stall holders like yes. yourself? Mowers. Oh, mowers are going to be really needed this year. <laughs> <laughs> mowers and garden implements and, and a lot of different things for the garden. Oh, right. Yeah. There's some fantastic gardens around the Yay, Alexander, Mansfield area. And the other feature around Yay is their um, uh, bike trail, which goes from um, Tallarook all the way to Mansfield. And uh, it follows the old old uh, rail line. line. Yes, mm. and um, it's been actually very successful as as a tourist um, activity. Mm. And you can people can do that in sections if they want to. So uh, that's worth checking out as well. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. Um, just a quick reminder, um, Roger, about the uh, the kangaroo paw celebration. Okay. Yeah. The the main the month of November for the color. A celebration of kangaroo paws at the Royal Botanic Gardens Cranbourne and the, the kangaroo paw picnic weekend is the 19th and 20th of November and there's been lots of plantings of kangaroo paws there you'll be able to vote for the best kangaroo paw and 
a whole range of other things on that weekend. And then on the 24th, 25th and 26th of November is the three-day symposium. You don't have to come to all three days. You can select um, just one day or two days, and some people are doing that. So uh, if you're wanting information about the symposium, you can contact Chloe on 97253569. We haven't mentioned also that uh, that the staff down at uh, the Cranbourne Gardens have been madly planting out thousands of yes, kangaroo paws. They have. There's lots of kangaroo paws. There'll be big uh, containers of kangaroo paws and there'll be a special plant sale. I should have mentioned that on that uh, kangaroo paw picnic weekend where there'll be lots of different kangaroo paws for flower uh, in flower for sale on and that the day. symposium days too. And, and the mm. symposium days too so yeah there'll be lots of things happening about kangaroo paws and their rallies fantastic we've run out of time for yet another week um a big thank you to jenny who's handled lots of phone calls this morning we'll of course be back next week at seven thirty. until then bye for now